Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the UAPchronicle.com. Today, we're bringing to life the story of the USS Nimitz Tic Tac UFO, a fascinating incident that unfolded on November 3rd, 2004. Fast forward to October 15th, 2023, and we're here to share a detailed account with you. So, sit back, relax, and let's explore this mysterious event together. In the vast expanse of the sea and the skies, where the blue meets both the horizon and the unknown, there have been tales of mystery for perhaps millennia. But in recent years, these tales have transformed, first into mere conspiracy theories, and now into acknowledged encounters by some of the most trained eyes in the world. In 2004, Commander David Fravor had an experience that would forever change his perspective of the skies. Skies that, previously, he believed he knew well. Fravor and his U.S. Navy Strike Fighter Squadron, the VFA-41 Black Aces, were on an exercise some 60 to 100 miles off the coast between San Diego and Ensenada, Mexico, when they witnessed an object that defied the laws of aviation as they knew them. The object, described as resembling a white tic-tac, about the same size as a hornet, 40 feet long with no wings, moved with impossible flight characteristics. At first, Fravor and his crew noticed waves breaking over something just beneath the surface, an area somewhat smaller than half of a football field. Then Fravor spotted the white craft hovering roughly 50 feet above the water. The object's rapid movements and its ability to hover close to the water without creating any rotor wash left the seasoned pilot and his crew baffled. As they pursued the object, it mirrored their movements before vanishing without a trace. This encounter was not just a fleeting moment for Fravor. He is certain of what he saw, stating unequivocally years later that it was something not from the Earth. Fravor's experience might have remained another unverified account in the annals of UFO sightings, but in a groundbreaking move, the Pentagon publicly acknowledged the existence of a program dedicated to studying such unidentified flying objects. Known as the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, ATIP, it ran from 2007 to 2012. This acknowledgement marked one of the most significant disclosures about government research into flying objects since Project Blue Book, an Air Force study of UFOs that ran from 1952 to 1969. While ATIP did not disclose evidence of extraterrestrial vehicles, it's worth noting that a portion of the events it studied remain unexplained. The encounter Fravor described was among those analyzed by the Defense Department program. However, the most pressing questions about the nature of the object and its intent remain unanswered. There are several perspectives, from eyes to sensors, that both confirm and add colorful detail to this unexplainable incident. In 2019, Kevin Day, chief radar officer for the Navy and radar operator on the USS Princeton during the incident, went on record with his version of events. He recalls observing strange contacts off the coast of Catalina Island. They were at 28,000 feet in a real loose formation, and they were tracking south at a 100 knots. I had never seen anything fly like that before. 
Additionally, Fravor was not a lone wolf out on the skies. His fellow Lieutenant Commander Alex Dietrich, who was airborne on a separate craft alongside Fravor during the encounter, corroborates his statements. It was unidentified, and that's why it was so unsettling to us, because we weren't expecting it, because we couldn't classify it. But what I want to be really careful of here is that we um, don't jump to conclusions. Both Fravor and Dietrich had weapons systems officers in their back seat. As they closed in on merge plot, so close that the radar operator can't tell their dots apart on his screen, they found an area of water that appeared to be breaking over something just beneath the surface. The water was energized with froth, as if it were boiling. As they were examining the water, Dietrich's backseater speaks up, followed by Fravor practically completing the sentence. Hey, Skipper! Dude, do you, do you see that thing down there? Dietrich circled above Fravor as he dropped down to get a closer look at the object which had no markings, no wings, and no exhaust plumes. The craft was jumping around erratically. In the words of Dietrich, it had... Like, no, no predictable movement, no predictable trajectory. Just as Fravor began to close in on the object, it accelerated so quickly that, to the naked eye, it simply disappeared. Seconds later, the USS Princeton, which recently had a new and advanced radar system installed, reacquired the UAP on its radar. The UAP had traveled about 60 miles in those few seconds. Fravor and Dietrich didn't learn until after their flight that the USS Princeton had been tracking similar anomalous objects for two weeks. The objects would appear suddenly at 80,000 feet and then translate near instantly to 20,000 feet. Then they would either fall off radar range or translate back to a high altitude. Commander Chad Underwood, the weapons systems officer on board a later flight, was a lieutenant serving under Fravor at the time. After receiving a vector from the USS Princeton, Chad successfully acquired the target on his aircraft's radar. At that point, his electronic warfare systems and FLIR were locked and focused on the object, which enabled Chad to film the now-famous Tic Tac, or FLIR, video. Chad recalled, Once I got the target of interest on my radar, I took a lock, and that's when all the kind of the, the funky things started happening. Chad went into great detail during an interview with Jeremy Corbell, where he describes his motivation, intentions, and experience when capturing the footage. I wanted to bring every single mode and zoom that the FLIR is capable of back to the carrier so we could analyze this thing, because I'm not going to be able to solve this problem in real time. It was offensively jamming us just outside international waters in peacetime operations. It's an act of war, and we're going to go out there and make you pay for that. Back aboard the USS Princeton, after the excitement of the week had occurred, but before it had a chance to settle, a cleanup operation was underway. Kevin Day, the radar operator, recalls people resembling Air Force officers boarding the ship with top-secret clearances and collecting related information assets. We have a system there that records all your external communications onto an optical disk. All the actual voice data was taken and ditto for the radar where did it go? I don't know. In December 2017, the New York Times published an article that brought significant attention to the FLIR video, along with one other video that had been circulating, known as Go Fast. Additionally, in March of 2018, the Washington Post published an article which featured a third video known as Gimbal. This video was previously released by To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science. 
The two subsequent videos were recorded by fighters associated with the USS Theodore Roosevelt during training missions off the East Coast in 2015. The Go Fast video captures a pilot who is celebrating the successful auto track of an object and commenting on how fast it's moving. Roger, uh, there's a shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I took an auto track. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh, dude. Wow. Look at the fly. The gimbal video captures a group of pilots excitedly locking onto one of a fleet of objects similar to the famed Tic Tac. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. Oh, my gosh. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. Look at that thing, dude. That's not an LNS, though, is it? It's not. That is an LNS, dude. Well, if there's a Look at that thing. It's rotating. Defense Department officials have confirmed more than a dozen such incidents off the East Coast alone since 2015. Christopher Mellon, who served as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence for Presidents Clinton and George W. Bush, and on the staff of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and Lou Elizondo, the former director of ATIP, joined forces after growing frustrated with the Pentagon's treatment of UAP encounters as one-off, isolated incidents. In 2017, they took action as private citizens to leak the videos to the New York Times. Christopher explained, we knew and understood that you had to go to the public, get the public interested to get Congress interested, to then circle back to the Defense Department and get them to start taking a look at it. Lou Elizondo resigned from the Pentagon in protest of their skepticism toward his findings. ATIP's funding was cut in 2012, but several individuals kept its mission alive. Before resigning in 2017, Lou worked to get the three videos declassified. When explaining his amazement at the Pentagon's apparent disregard for the phenomena, Elizondo said, Imagine a technology that can do six to 700 G-forces, that can fly at 13,000 miles an hour, that uh, it can evade radar, and that can fly through air and water and possibly space, and oh, by the way, has no obvious signs of propulsion, no wings, no control surfaces, and yet still can defy the natural effects of Earth's gravity. That's precisely what we're seeing. The acknowledgement by the Pentagon and the subsequent revelations have profound implications. It's not just about the possibility of extraterrestrial life or advanced technology. It's about the need for a deeper understanding of our seas and skies and the potential threats or opportunities they might hold. Fravor, who has faced both ridicule and support for sharing his story, believes that there could be benefits from studying these encounters. God, just what if we, what if we can harness that technology? What if you can reverse engineer that technology? Because a technology that would do that would change, change everything we do. In 2020, the Pentagon resurrected ATIP. It's now called the UAP Task Force. Service members now are encouraged to report strange encounters, and the Senate wants answers. As more trained professionals come forward with their encounters, it becomes imperative for governments and scientific communities to delve deeper into these mysteries. Whether these objects are advanced drones, atmospheric phenomena, or indeed evidence of extraterrestrial life, the quest for answers continues.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the UAP Chronicle Speaks. For more information about this and other UAP-related incidents, visit uapchronicle.com. If you've enjoyed this exploration into the unknown, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We appreciate your support in bringing these intriguing topics to a wider audience. Now let's acknowledge the sources that made this episode possible. Their reporting and information have been invaluable in bringing you today's content. The Washington Post, for their insightful article, former Navy pilot describes encounter with UFO studied by secret Pentagon program and their publication of Christopher Mellon's article, The Military Keeps Encountering UFOs. Why doesn't the Pentagon care? The Department of Defense, for providing essential verification in their statement on the release of historical Navy videos. Rush New Zealand, whose work on the video, former Navy officer tells the truth about the infamous Tic Tac UFO video has been instrumental. CBS News, 60 Minutes. For their detailed coverage in Navy pilots recall unsettling 2004 UAP sighting and UFOs regularly spotted in restricted US airspace. The New York Times, whose article, Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's mysterious UFO program, kicked this story wide open. Reuters, for their investigative piece titled Normalizing UFOs, retired US Navy pilot recalls Tic Tac encounter. Please note that the UAP Chronicle Speaks is an independent publication and is not affiliated with any of the sources cited in our work. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the UAP Chronicle Speaks and its contributors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the sources referenced. All trademarks, logos and brand names of third-party sources are the property of their respective owners and are used in this podcast solely for the purpose of reference and discussion.